I want to share with you a a message out of Romans 7 and 8 because I believe that a lot of Christians that have been saved for any length of time, or if you're here today and you don't even understand this, this also relates to you, but they don't understand their position in Christ. And uh, I, I, I hear terminology thrown around a lot about this. It's, it's very common that I, okay, things like I walk with God or I am a Christian or I am saved or I once was lost but now I'm found in, you know, all these terminology. But I think for a lot of people, we don't understand where, where do I stand with Christ? Because I know that my sin is forgiven, but then I struggle with my sin. How can you struggle with something that's been forgiven? Have any of you ever toyed with that? And I actually throw this <coughs> thought out a number of weeks ago. Because it's like when I go before Christ, I know that I am undone. I'm messed up. I'm, you know, and, and yet I'm supposed to run to God like everything's okay. And in my mind, I know that it's not. Maybe some of you here today even came to church with the idea of I don't want to go to church because I know. My life is not right, and I've done things this week, or I've struggled with things, and I just don't know if He likes me. Have you ever wondered if God likes you or not? Have you ever wondered if I've crossed the line so many times that I feel like I do more apologizing to God than I do worshiping God, or I'm trying to pick up the pieces all the time? And I know outwardly we'll sit there and say, I'm redeemed and I'm forgiving, but inwardly there is a struggle that happens that we just feel like I am not good enough. I don't know if God truly loves me. Or maybe even the ranking of, I know that God loves, man, the, the pastors on the stage because they got it all figured out. And they pray and read their Bibles every day and all this other stuff. But man, for everybody else. But let me tell you, we're all in the same boat. Amen. I'm made of flesh. You're made of flesh. I mess up. You mess up. You, you get mad at people. I, I, it's, we're all in the same thing. But what blows my mind it's the fact that God still loves me the same as when I mess up and when I don't. And it's like, okay, I don't get that. Because we, we put people into categories and we, we struggle with this. And I, I think some people take it to one degree of they run around in their Christian life with their head always down because they have a struggle that they constantly battle with, a, an addiction, a habit, a mindset, a bitterness, hate, greed, whatever, and we're... We almost walk around all like this, like, oh, God, don't look at me. Don't look at me like I'm ashamed or I'm messed up and I, I, I don't even want to be in the presence of God. Or we go the other way. We think I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven and I'm just going to do whatever I want. God will just forgive me. I'll just say a couple of prayers. And, and I think both of them is a messed up perspective of our relationship with God. Bring this in. I, I, want, I want you to relate. And I'm going to bring my points are out, out of Romans 8, but I want you to. See how Paul was just writing. He was just, man, he was just pouring his heart out. So Romans 7 verse 18, and I think chapter 8, 8 will make more sense when we get in this. So Romans seven eighteen. 18, you, you guys are familiar. I preached through these verses a number of times in the past when, when he says this, because it relates to us. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He said, he's just basically saying, I, I, I want to do good, but I'll tell you, I end up not doing good. It's what I end up doing. It's like, it's the will of my heart's desires to do what's right, but it, it doesn't normally happen. Verse 19 says, for, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. 
He said that the things that I say, I'm not doing that. Oh, that's what I end up doing. But the good that I say, man, I'm going I'm to read my Bible more and I'm going to be faithful to church. And man, I'm going to really control my language. Those are the things that I end up not doing. Now you've got to understand, this is Paul. This is somebody that really, really in a sense had things together. Romans 7, 4, 24. Now this, this will hit home with us. It says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from, this, from the body of this death? Paul was being brutally honest. He was saying, I fail a lot. I'm not good enough. I fall short. And he said, why is this important? Let me, let me put it like this, because I'm going to show you in Romans 8 where God uses this illustration, but just to kind of pull it in. I, I, I love my kids very much. And part of the highlight of my day is getting home and spending time with my kids and doing things with them. We, we built up to Thanksgiving because I love that time, like I said earlier, on Thanksgiving Day, we never left the house from morning till night. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't have to do anything. It was just, it was just our family all day long. I loved it. Can you imagine if I was to go home and I walked through the door and Morgan was walking around and she put her head down and she was like this. And we sit at a table and she turns and scoots the other way. And I'm sitting there and I'm so excited about having fellowship. But because she knows that she messed up throughout the day, that she has to pull herself from me. She, she doesn't want it. She feels unworthy or she feels like she's in trouble. I, I, I'm not okay with this because the truth is I love my kids even when they mess up. And I know that they mess up. And that doesn't change my love for my kids. And I think that this is something that we have to understand as we get in Romans chapter 8. If you are truly a child today, a child of God, then allow, allow me to explain your position in Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now you need to underline, if you're underlining your Bibles, the word now. This means that there is a transition. It means that there's a change. It means that things are not what they once were. There's a drastic change. And so this whole chapter goes around and it draws this comparison about what was, what is now. And that's what the word now. Let me tell you about where you were. But I think a lot of us live our lives according to how we were rather than where we are now. And let me just say that is not okay with God. It's not okay with God for you to live your life with your head dropped or live your life as if you are constantly in trouble with God or the fact that you act like he does not love you. On May 10th, 1997, I married Jennifer Lynn Thompson. We walked out of that ceremony. My life was changed forever. Her life was changed forever. She struck the mother load. She got the... I mean, she was blessed. God anointed her with blessings at that altar. Now, I was... I walked out as her husband, and she walked out as my wife. That, that day marked something that we weren't, I mean, everything was different after that. I, I mean, we didn't go home. We, we moved to our own house, and we had our own life, and we had college and a new state and new jobs, and all, everything changed from that. You've, you've got to understand what God has done. The day that you met Christ, everything changed. Everything changed. This is, this is what this teaches us through this. First, you need to recognize where you are. You need to recognize where you are. You are in Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. 
Now, no condemnation. You know why? Because you are in Christ Jesus. It means you were before, were not in Christ. Presently, now you are in Christ. And I'll explain this as we go. But you cannot just go through a verse like this and say, I don't know what that means. It says this also, there is therefore now no condemnation. Which means before there was condemnation or the wrath of God. And now there is not You've got to understand that God's drawing a line and putting two sides there. This is how we view our salvation. So I have an illustration that's going to go through this whole thing. And I've got an assistant. You ready? You ready to do this? This is Morgan. She she has volunteered to be my assistant today. Okay. And I, I want you guys to understand that, that what I'm going to illustrate through you today, it's more than just an illustration. It is a relationship. Everything that I want you to understand about our position in Christ, this is very, very much so it. A lot of times we view it and look at this and say, wow, look at how much I love my daughter, how much I, I, I'm in love with my family. And then I look up at God and say, Lord, this is a great illustration of you. But God's on the other end saying, you have no idea. I created that is an illustration of what he has with us. You, you, you get what I'm saying with that. It's, this isn't the illustration. That's the illustration. That is, that's the, the, the model of what he was trying to demonstrate. God's just saying everything that the love and the compassion, the relationship, all those things that you have is a result of what he's given us. You've got to understand that as her, as my daughter, I absolutely love this. There, there is a joy, there is a desire, there, there is a, a, an excitement. Me and her, me and Morgan, um, we have two other brothers, right? Yes. <laughs> You're getting all shy. Jordan and Logan, and each one of my kids, I have a connection with them in a different way. But Morgan, I, I think she got my goofy gene, okay? And, uh, and there's, there's a connection, a mental, emotional connection that we have in a lot of areas of our life that we... We, we like to do. I, I, I love it on Friday morning, which is my day off. I normally get up. I go down, make a cup of coffee. I go sit on the couch. And within minutes, I know that Morgan is going to be coming downstairs, getting her blanket, sit next to me on the couch, and we sit there and read together. And we talk. or we, we, We'll read and we'll talk. And we go back and forth. But I, I'm telling you, that means so much to me. But I'm going to leave you down here, Morgan. This... As our relationship with God. Before we accepted him. Before we had that. There was a disconnect. See we were born in sin. And because we're born in sin. There's a separation. And I know a lot of you are like. I I get that. But as we illustrate this. I want you to understand. That I am choking. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Chris. If you can get me a glass of water. That would be great. And uh, so here's, here's this thing to where this is the way that God desired for it to be. But because of sin coming into the world, and you have to understand, sin is what separated us from God. It could no longer be this way because God is a righteous, holy God. And, and for us to be born in sin and to sit there and say that this is okay, it is not okay. For a lot of people to say that they can continue in sin and everything is okay, it's not the way that it is. And even though you can say that I'm a Christian and you go to church and all those things, you can do all those things and still have that separation between you and God. The the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is a separation between us and God. But I want to talk about the fact that what God has done for us. 
See, this is important because in order to be in Christ, something had to change. This is important. Let me, let me first show you there is a change in your condition. Your condition is sin. There's a reason that we call it lost. For anybody, I, I'll, I'll tell you, you, anywhere you go, most people are going to know the song Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found that saved a wretch like me. It, there, was, there was a separation. There was a, a, a difference that was there. We understand that that separation was there between us and God. In order for God to unite the relationship, our condition had to change. So you bring it back to Romans chapter 3, verse 25. It says, Whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now I know for a lot of us understand that this gets confusing. You understand or try to understand the big word like propitiation, which is the covering of our sin. See, the only way for this to be put back is that Jesus Christ had to come into the world. He had to die on the cross to pay for the penalty of our flesh and our sin. And this is what Christ did. I know this is silly, but this is the illustration. This is what Christ did for us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we recognize, I am a sinner. I am separated from God. There, there is none righteous, no, not one. We ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. This is what Christ does for us. He changes our condition. See, the propitiation is the covering of our sin. Jesus steps out of heaven. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. Richard, do you have that next verse in Romans? Listen, listen to this about how he justified. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be safe from wrath through him. Do, do you see, this was condemnation. This was the road to hell. This was this. But what Christ did is he changed our position. He not only changed our condition, he changed our position. You see, where we were and where we are is two different things. You could not be where you are today without the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ in your life. And this is the part that you have to understand. Morgan is still Morgan. Morgan was there. Morgan, Morgan is here, Morgan. Morgan made mistakes there. Let me tell you guys, Morgan will make mistakes here. Do you know why? Because Morgan is still Morgan. Tony is still Tony and you are still you. You, you understand that in our flesh, Morgan is still going to get upset. Morgan is still going to get mad. Morgan is still going to do things that she should not do. That is what we do in the flesh. But that is the thing that we were justified. We were made right in Jesus Christ when he covered us with the blood. You say, how in the world is Christ able to have a relationship with us? Because of the fact is that Christ made things right. That's what justified means. He paid off our debt. He covered us with the blood of Jesus Christ. There was a change in our condition. There's a change in your position. You are no longer where you're at. But I think a lot of people still act like you're there. Because this is way different from where you were before. Way different. They say, why, why is this a big deal? Because Romans 8, 1 and 2. We sit there and we don't understand what he's trying to say with this. When he said, which are in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus, this is a place of acceptance. This is a place of relationships. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are set free. In Christ, you are accepted. It is not conditional, but positional. You say, what does that mean? 
See, conditional means that she would have to keep up with it. Man, I, I've got to go to church in order to be loved. I, I, I've, I've got to do good deeds, and I've got to give, and I've got to do this and that. I'm telling you, none of those things that she could do is going to change the fact that I love her. It, it, none of those things, but the fact is that she is my child makes me love her. The fact that she is in my house and in my family and in my blessings changes everything. Then things go deeper. It, it says Romans chapter 8 verse 4. 14. You just go through and man, there's so much in between these that we could get into. And Paul says, okay, all right, I, I, I get that. You, you, God changed her position. You, you, you are literally in Christ. You are in the love of God. You're in the place of acceptance of God, but bring it home. He brings it home by this in Romans eight fourteen. for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Can I, can I point out, too, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The, the fact of what I showed and displayed and Morgan being down here earlier and the fact that I came to her and Christ did that work and Christ covered her and Christ led her and placed her into that position of grace. It was all Jesus Christ and none of you and none of what anybody else has done either. The reason why the Bible specifies that we were led of the Spirit. The fact that I think it's important for you to understand that it's nobody else that can do it. You cannot save yourself. Nobody can twist your arm and I can't make you accept Jesus Christ. It is not this thing that we try to do where we twist people's arms or we drag them down the altar or we sit there and talk them into it or saying a prayer. Can I tell you guys all, because I love you very much, saying a prayer is not going to say anybody. And I know I'm making a lot of people uncomfortable because the thing is, it's not in repeating words the Bible says that if you will believe in your heart, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Nowhere did he come down and say, Morgan, repeat these words. I'm Morgan. I'm Morgan. It's not about repeating words. Is it about accepting the fact that I am lost and I'm undone and I am, I, I'm on this, I, there's condemnation coming, there's the wrath of God and all this, but I accept you. When we call out to God, God comes to us, God does the work, God does the saving, God does the relocating, God does the covering. I want you to get it, it's all God. People, I like to put it on themselves of what they've accomplished or what they've done. It's not about you. For as many are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. As Christians, you need to understand where you are, but you also need to understand whose you are. You are His child. We use this description a lot of things like I'm a servant of God or I'm his workmanship or I'm redeemed or I am sanctified. All of this is true. But you got to understand your position in Christ. He simply says that you are my child. There is not many illustrations that we could do to illustrate this like this right here. Guys, there is... Not many relationships like a parent to a child or a mom to a baby. There, there's not many in this world that could possibly illustrate this. But I think God said, hey, I think a lot of people are going to get this. And maybe you're some, somebody here today and I don't get that. And you say, I don't get that because I don't have a child. But let me put it this way. You are a child of somebody. Guarantee you. And that relationship, the fact that you are loved or you love someone of that level is, is indescribable. You know, you know how I can prove it. It's, it's amazing. 
how when um, I was a teenager and people would come to church and they would be showing off their ultrasound. Has, have any of you guys ever had somebody really excited about having a baby and they show off their ultrasound pictures? And they'd come to me and they showed me that and I was supposed to be excited, but all I saw was a bunch of blobs and goo and, you know, shapes. And I had no idea what I was supposed to be excited about. And except a, a mom could sit there and, we, you know, we, we had that done when we were having our kids and sitting there on the screen and they're describing it. And all of a sudden, that mom is falling in love with that blob on the screen. It's like there, there's just something that happens. From every kick of that baby before that baby's even born, there is a bond, there is a love that is indescribable. And let me tell you, there is nothing that would stop that love. There's nothing that would sit there and hinder that love. See, that love comes from God and it is a relationship. That love comes from God and it is a reflection of his love. Verse 15 says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. See, there's a lot that needs to be pointed out here. Number one, let me point out that it says little s and big s. That, that spirit, the inward man of who you are. Every one of you, whether you believe it or not, you, are, you, you have your flesh, your body, your soul, and your spirit. And the fact that the Bible is saying, as a Christian, my spirit bears witness with his spirit. There's something, a relationship going on here that is indescribable, a bond because we're born into the family of God. Let me, let me show you the evidence of what's there. Number one, there, there is a peace. You have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. Our relationship with God is different than our relationship that is in the past. The Bible says that, that mindset was that of bondage. There was fear. If anybody sits here and says, and I ask you the question, what would happen to you, to you if you were to die? And you say, I don't know. What, 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 is there really a God? Is there really a hell? And all of a sudden there's this bondage of fear. Let me tell you, that might have been there, but it should never be here. Do you guys get that? That there's something that God does with that spirit of peace. It's no longer. Remember what things are passed away. God brings us into a relationship of peace with God. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, do you have that peace with God? It says again to fear. It was fear at one time, but it shouldn't be fear now. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of sound mind. If you are in that constant spirit of fear, something is wrong. You either need to recognize where you are or recognize maybe that you're not here. But there ought to be a peace. See, I'll tell you, in the relationship that... Morgan has, she never has to wake up wondering if she is loved. Because our relationship and the relationship that we have is renewed every day. There's this evidence of the Spirit of God. There's the evidence of our relationship that is there. Read with me, verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There is peace, but there's also proof. Something happens here. That spirit that God was talking about being there. You have received it. It's not outward but inward. Guys, there's a lot of things that we could show outward. Man, I'm glad you guys are here today. Man, it's, it's, it's Thanksgiving weekend and we come to church. And I hope the reason that you came to church is because you love God and you want to be here. But I tell you, there's a lot of people that have this mindset that they've got to do good deeds and they've got to earn merit with God and you've got to show up and you've got to do this and that and we make it a list. 
It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship with God that makes a difference. But let me tell you, when you truly love God, there will be proof in your life. The Bible says that we cry, Abba, Father. It means that we cry out to him in our fears and our distress. Verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That word beareth witness, or those words beareth witness, means it testifies or identifies. It means that there is evidence there. Let me ask you, do you have evidence of your relationship with God in your life? Is there an evidence of a relationship between you and God? Because I tell you, there's evidence of Morgan and I relationship. There's evidence of Jen and I relationship. But I tell you, when people walk around and there is no desire and there's no love and there's no passion and there's no peace and there's no satisfaction and somebody's got to drag you in the church and talk you into everything spiritually, something is wrong with that picture. Something's wrong with it. And I say that because of the fact that I, I, I can't go by the outward People can go through the motions all day long, but the inward, the spirit that beareth witness with my spirit, there's something real and authentic about that. And I guess I'm bothered because of the fact is the pastor should not have to sit there and talk people into things. Your wife should not have to talk you into things. It's the heart that bears witness with his heart. It's not a contract. It's not religious talk. It's not religious deeds. It's love. It's passion. It's joy. It's hope. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's talking about what's on the inside is going to show on the outside. What, what, what's going on with the relationship that you got, that peace that you have, it's something that only God can give you. So I ask you, are you in Christ? Have you recognized that you are a child of God? But I come to the last question. It's what you are. It's not just where you are. It's not just whose you are. It's where you are, what you are. Because the the power of all this that I wanted to use all these points to build up to is you are secure in Christ. We, We like to make it a lot about what we do. About what I have accomplished or the day that I got saved. But let me tell you, it was what Jesus Christ did on the day that I accepted him. It does not say who shall separate God from our love. It says who shall separate us from the love of Christ. See, you have an unearned position, meaning you did nothing to deserve this. You did not earn it. You did not pay for it. The covering that Christ gave you on yourself, that came with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, that's not your blood. That's his blood. It wasn't you that died on the cross. It was him that died on the cross. It was Jesus that came in the world to seek and to save that which was lost. It was Jesus that came and reached down to save a wretch like me. It was Jesus that gave me unconditional grace. It was Jesus that gave me love. It was Jesus that did all these things. Quit making it about you. I'm here to tell you, church, you did nothing to get it, and you can do nothing to keep it. It's not in your hands. None of these things that I mentioned are based on anything that you have done. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is an unearned position. And I think if we have the mindset that you have to keep striving towards it to keep it, then you don't understand how you got it to begin with. It wasn't you. Not only is it an unearned position, but it is an unchanging love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
The Bible doesn't say who shall separate us from the salvation of Christ or the redemption of Christ. But God chose in this passage who shall separate, who can change this. He said, what is this that you're talking about? This is a love relationship between me and my daughter. And here God said, I'm going to put it like this. There is nothing in this world that can possibly change this. Because the word there for love is not the word love that we do. People say, oh, I just love that restaurant. Until you have bad service and then all of a sudden you don't love that restaurant anymore. Until you go in there and they hyped up their prices. Honey, I'm never going back there again. Your love changes. Let me tell you, God's love for us does not change. God does not look ever at us because the love, that power that is bought, brought us together, that's unconditional love. The Bible describes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, is agape love. That is a powerful love, meaning that death, hell, and grave could not stop that love of God coming to us. Nothing could ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Because love to God is more than a feeling, it's an action. It's a completed price that he paid on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have what? Why did we lose sight of that? It wasn't what I did. It was everything that he did. Jesus Christ put a bond in a relationship and God literally says like this, who's going to separate this? And he goes in and he says, shall... Who shall separate us from the love of God? Verse 38, and I love this. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. See, Morgan was placed into this family. Morgan might one day rebel and say, Dad, I'm tired of this. Dad, I, I don't have to listen to your rules. Dad, I'm done with this. I'm done with that. Can I ask you guys, is there any way for her to ever be unborn? Is there any way for her to ever undo what God did to bring her into this family to begin with? Because she could sit there, she could go off and change her name and do all these things and go up there and then they're going to do a blood test and they say, I hate to tell you, not only do you look just like your dad, but... But his DNA runs through your blood. And you, everybody does say that we look alike. That's a compliment. That's a compliment, big time. <laughs> and that relationship that God has established with us is to say, who can undo what God has done? And I'm going to tell you guys right now that as Christians, we're all going to mess up. Some of you might be smack in the middle of that right now. You're sitting there going, why is he doing this? I promise you. Because it's all of us. Every single one of us have messed up. But I want you to understand, there is now no condemnation. You say, how is that possible? Because you're not down there anymore. You're on the rock of Jesus Christ. You sit there and say, yeah, but I once was a sinner. And God comes over and says, yeah, you once were a sinner, but now you are a child of God. Nobody that is a child of God can undo being a child. It is impossible for that to happen. But then God gives us the sake of security. He says, you know what has brought this together? What can separate the love of God? That love is agape love. It's unconditional. It means that it has no conditions on it. 
And I know a lot, a lot of people have it and say, oh, I get what you're saying. Man, I've heard this so many times. You're going to say, because I, I have this, I can run off and do anything that I want to. And I can sin and it's all okay and it's all under the blood and people live like. Let me tell you, if you have that mindset, then you don't understand this at all. Amen. You don't get this at all. If you think you can walk out of here and go out and curse God and do the things of that and then sit there and think that this is okay, then I question whether you ever love God to begin with. Because there's something way different that happens in our life when we, there's a two-way relationship that happens. God comes in our life and God brings a union. And I tell you, I love him because he first loved me. I serve him because I get to serve him, not because I have to serve him. There's a change that happens. So, as I close this off, and I, 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 I did this series and going through the names of God and everything, and next week we're starting this whole thing on Christmas and all the things that we're doing, smack in the middle of this. I just thought, God, do we fully understand? That, why do we walk around with our head? Because when God sees you and say, man, but I'm a sinner, and God says, I see the blood of Jesus Christ. I see what I have done. I, I, there's now no condemnation. You say, how is that possible? Because it's all under the blood of Jesus Christ. Past, present, and future. You are under the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, what, what, what do I do, Pastor Tony, when I do mess up? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Because I'll tell you what, this is a relationship. And there's times that I mess up, that I get mad or I get upset and I have to go apologize to my daughter. But let me tell you, as your heavenly father, he never messes up and he'll never let you down. But on this side of it, there are many times for we as Christians that will mess up to our father. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, if Morgan came to me and she said, daddy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I let you down. I'm sorry that I messed up. You know what I'm going to do every single time? I'm going to forgive her. Because that does not change her position. It does not change her condition. It does not change her relationship. Mean None of those things can change because it's unconditional love. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Where is your position? Because I, like I said at the beginning with, it's nothing that you did. When we were lost... Without Christ, wandering, confused, it was Jesus Christ that did everything. And maybe you've been relying on all the wrong things. You've been relying on the fact that you've been coming here. Relying on the fact that you've grown up in church and all those things. None of those things change your condition. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sin. That's it. It's... Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. So if you're struggling and you're trying and you're trying, you've got to stop trying and let him do the work because he is the one that saves and forgives. So I don't know where you are here today. And I know that we have guests and different people and I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. But I'm asking you straight up. Is there the proof of Christ in your life? Do you have that peace? I'm talking peace. I'm talking, <clears throat> if you were to die today, do you know you'd go to heaven? I had this yesterday girl that I went to college with, was sitting at an intersection. A lady behind her did not see the stop traffic. She was speeding, rammed into her, and took her life in a second. 
You say, I've got plenty of time. She was in her 30s. You think you have plenty of time? None of us have a promise of tomorrow. None of us. The Bible says our life is but a vapor that appears for a little time. Then it's vanished away. It's gone like that. And one day you're sitting in church and the next day you could be standing before God. One day you're sitting there hearing about what Christ has done, what only Christ can do. And maybe God brought you from out of town or here today on this day for the sole reason of letting you hear what He has done for you. If you have no passion for God and no love for God and no relationship with God, and maybe something's missing in your life.